Well, as you read through the, the Gospels, you will see that again and again, Jesus Christ is accused of being a friend of sinners. Others say he's a, he's a friend of tax collectors and sinners. And the point is that they are, religious people often accused him of, of, of uh, not taking sin seriously, spending time with these people who were known sinners instead of distancing himself from them like the, like the good religious people were doing. They were accusing Jesus of, of being friends with, sitters, of, with sinners, that he would uh, sit down and eat with them, that he would spend time with them. Now, of course, in a sense, that was true. Jesus did spend time with sinful people. But the accusation was made to try and accuse Jesus of doing nothing about sin or not caring about sin or just winking at sin, which is a, a good phrase from the King James. And, and, and that's what they were accusing him of doing, just overlooking it, not caring. But the reality is the reason that Jesus loved sinners is because he, he didn't love them uh, for their sin, but he loved them because he could save them and he could rescue them. And he knew what they could be if, 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 if he graciously saves them, if he brings them to himself and if he changes them. He knew that they would no longer uh, remain as they are. And so, yes, Jesus loved sinners. He did spend time with tax collectors and sinners, but not so that they would stay tax collectors and sinners, but that he might uh, bring them to himself and save them, forgive them, and change them. If you like, Jesus could see the end goal. He knew that, that, that one day he would be the firstborn among many brethren, that there will be a multitude in heaven which no man could number who are conformed to the image of Christ, just like him. And Jesus knows that these sinners he's spending time with, if they come to him, they'll be part of that number, saved to sin no more. And so in that sense, it's true that Jesus is the friend of sinners because he, he saves them and he changes them. And that's the whole point of this account uh, that we have recorded here. We see a woman who is a known sinner but becomes uh, devoted to the Lord Jesus Christ. Many of us have been Christians for a while and we look at the, the love this lady demonstrated for Jesus and it's a challenge for us, isn't it? And this is what Jesus Christ does. He, he takes a woman who, who, who is known to be immoral and he, he, he makes her a devoted follower of Christ, so devoted that we look at her as Christians and think, I want to be like that. I want to be like that lady. And that's the point that Luke is driving home here in this passage. Here we see that Jesus is a loving and a compassionate saviour, that he saves sinners, and we also see how we ought to respond to Christ, how we should respond when we are saved. And we learn that from the devotion of this lady, the way that she treats the Lord Jesus Christ. And now this passage should encourage us that this is our saviour. This is Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here this evening and he's not your saviour. And you think to yourself, how could he ever love me? Well, be encouraged from this passage. This is who Jesus is. He's a loving saviour. And he calls you to himself. But perhaps you are a Christian. Well, here we should be encouraged, yes, but also challenged. Because how should we respond to him? Well, in the same way that this lady did. And so firstly, the way that this passage is set out, firstly, we have... Uh, a set of events that takes place. We have, if you like, the, the Pharisee and the prostitute. That's what we see first. And then we see that the Lord Jesus Christ speaks to, to Simon 
and, and he really defends what she's done in her act of devotion, and he explains uh, what's just happened, if you like, to Simon, who is the Pharisee, who is judging her and judging Jesus at the same time. Okay, so firstly, we, we, we see the Pharisee and the prostitute. Luke here begins by, by setting the scene, and he says that there was one of the Pharisees who, who had asked Jesus to eat with him. Now, the Pharisees were a religious group of people at, at the time, a, a, a Jewish uh, group, followed the, the religion of Judaism, but they were very, very religious. They were meticulous in the way that they kept the law. They, they, they saw the, the, the commandments in the Old Testament, and they created a, 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 another law, if you like, on how to keep this law. And historically, we know that, that, that their motives some of their motives were good. They, they thought they went into captivity because they didn't keep God's law. That's why they went to Babylon and into exile. They'd come back to the land. They thought, right now we need to keep the law. And so they, 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 in a sense, their motives were right in some ways. The problem was they became self-righteous. And we see from this passage that they looked down on others. They were trusting in their own righteousness. And they, they had a man-made law. And often they, they obeyed their, their own laws more than God's law. And that was the group of the Pharisees. Very religious. And they were known to be religious. They were respected. If, if, if a Pharisee walked in here today, and we were in first century Israel, well, you'd give up your seat for him. If the best seats were at the front and they were full, we'd be standing up saying, please sit here. That's how they viewed them. They, they got the best seats in the feast. And so we see that Jesus was invited by one of these Pharisees to eat at his house. He invited him. And we see that, that Jesus sits down and he, he reclines at the table. And in those days, the way that they ate wasn't like today. We've got a table in the middle of the room and chairs. They had it where, where yes, there's a table in the room, but they, they, they reclined on, couch, on couches. That meant that they, they lay down with their left arm on the table and their feet behind them. And they, they, they ate in that way. They didn't sit on chairs. They, 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 they reclined on a couch. And that will make sense in a minute. And so they're reclining and, and, and eating. And as this is happening, we, we read about this, this woman who comes in. Now you might think, what, that's strange. What's a woman doing just walking into, into Simon's house? Well, it's, it, it was a common custom then that if, if you invited a, a famous rabbi to your house to, for a meal, then people could come in and stand at the edge and listen to what was said so that they can learn from the rabbi who, who you've invited to your home. So it was quite common to have uh, people who weren't invited standing around the wall. And so that's how this, this woman got in. And so you've got here, Luke is holding up these two people, this Pharisee and this woman. Now we learn that this woman was a sinner. And we know that, well Luke says, a woman in the city who was a sinner. But also, not only does Luke tell us that, but the Pharisee himself says it. And that shows us that, that she was publicly known to be a sinful woman. And many people uh, guess, and I think rightly so, that she was a prostitute. She lived an openly immoral life. And she, she comes into this house, and she is standing behind Jesus. And here, if you like, Luke is, is, is comparing them. And, and the comparison happens all throughout the passage. And so first, you see the Pharisee. And I think the comparison is centering around how did they treat Jesus? How did they treat Jesus? Well, first, the Pharisee. Yes, he invited Jesus to come. It says in verse 36 that, that, he, that one of the Pharisees asked him to eat in his house. He invited him to come, 
But we know from later on in the passage that he neglected, he didn't give Jesus uh, the, the things that you would normally give to somebody invited to your home. For example, he didn't wash his feet, didn't give him oil or a kiss, things like that. And so he invited Jesus. We could say that he respected him, but he didn't give him the honor that he would have given another guest, perhaps another rabbi who was a Pharisee. He would have had much more uh, hospitality, much more of a welcome. And we also see that this Pharisee, well, he doubted Jesus. He invited him, respected him maybe, but he didn't give him the, 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 the honor he deserved in terms of hospitality. And he also doubted Jesus. And we see this in verse 39. And he sees that this woman, and we're going to look at it in a minute, this woman is touching Jesus. And this is what the Pharisee says in verse 39. He says to himself, he's thinking it in his mind, he says, this man, if he were a prophet, he would know who and what manner of woman this is who's touching him, for she is a sinner. And so in other words, the Pharisee is thinking to himself, this man can't be a prophet. This Jesus is, is not a prophet. He's a charlatan. If he was a prophet, he would know this woman who is a sinner is touching him. And, and the, whole, the, 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 the whole point is this, that if a woman like that comes near you, she doesn't touch you because she will make you dirty. She will make you unclean. And so the Pharisee stayed far away. And so the Pharisee said, well, Jesus can't be a prophet. And so that's how the Pharisee treated Jesus. What about this woman? This woman who is a prostitute. Well, we see that she comes in. She probably snuck in. You can tell by how the Pharisee thinks about her that he wouldn't have let her into her home. We can guess that maybe the room was, was, uh, was, was, was darkly lit. Maybe they had a few candles. It was hard to see everybody. So she snuck in, and she's standing there behind Jesus. And she's standing there, probably listening for a little while, and then we learn that, 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 that she does some things that everybody probably would have thought were shocking. But yet we look at them, and we have to say, well, it, it's beautiful. And the Lord Jesus Christ himself thought so, in the, and we see that in the way that he responds in a moment. So what does this woman do? Well, this woman, let's remember, she... She's a prostitute, or she was a prostitute, we should say, and a known prostitute. Well, she came in, she stood behind Jesus, and it says that she knew that he was there before she came, and she brought alabaster, a box, a box, an alabaster flask of fragrant oil. Now, alabaster is a stone that they often would store perfumes in. And so she brought this oil because she knew that Jesus would be there. And so she came for a purpose, and that was to show love and devotion to Jesus Christ. So what happened? Well, she came in with this jar of oil, and she's standing behind Jesus. And then we see in verse 38 that she begins to weep. She begins weeping as she's standing behind him. Now, why, why is she weeping? She's weeping because of a deep sense of gratitude. I'm going to um, unpack it more later, but it's... It, it, it's it's fairly clear that this lady has already believed in Jesus for herself. She's already acknowledged him to be the Messiah. And she's already received, prior to this, the forgiveness of sin. And we're going to unpack that later and, and explain how, how we know that. And so she, she's deeply grateful to Jesus for this. This lady who everybody looked down on. You don't go near her, you don't touch her. Jesus had mercy on her. 
One commentator speculates, and I think it's a good speculation, we don't know if it's true, but, but maybe she was there when Jesus said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I wonder if that was what she heard. And she came, and she found rest in Jesus Christ. And now she's standing behind him, so near, and she can't control the tears. And she begins to weep. And it's clear that these tears are coming down like fountains, because it says in verse 38 that she began to wash his feet with her tears. All of a sudden, you could see marks in his feet where the dust is being washed away. The dust that shouldn't be there because Simon should have given him water to wash it off. But he didn't. So this lady, this woman who used to be a prostitute, well, she's washing them with her tears. And then we see that maybe, maybe she felt embarrassed by that. She was, she was wetting his feet, the feet of the Messiah with her tears. And so what does she do? Well, she gets on her knees and she begins to wipe his feet with her hair. Now, it's important that we know that, 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 that washing someone's feet in first century Israel, in their culture, was a very menial task. You didn't do it lightly. It wasn't a nice thing to do. The lowest of the low did it. The lowest servant washed somebody's feet. And so this lady is, is, is if you like, allowing herself to, to, to stoop low. She's using her hair to wipe the feet of Jesus. Then she goes on. Now we might think this is, this is a bit strange. But we need to remember what's happened to this lady. She goes on and then she begins to kiss his feet. It says in verse 38 that she wiped his feet with the hair of her head and then she kissed his feet. And then after that it says and anointed them with fragrant oil. Now it's difficult for us to understand that maybe that this lady is kissing Jesus' feet in front of everybody in this feast. But it helps us to understand, doesn't it, the deep sense of gratitude this lady had for what Jesus Christ had done for her. She recognized that she was a sinner. Everybody knew it. And she knew it. She knew the things that she's done. The people that she's hurt. Family. Imagine the shame she brought on her family. In that culture. In any culture, it's shameful if your daughter is a prostitute. But in that culture, even more so. The pain she would have caused. Perhaps the marriages that she broke. All of these things. And yet Jesus Christ had had mercy on her. And she was grateful. It says that, that, that she anointed his feet with oil. Now that oil, many people suggest that oil could have been worth a year's salary. Very costly, very expensive. And she willingly poured it out upon the feet of Jesus. She didn't even think she was worthy to pour it on, on his head. So she poured it on his feet. Now, if we didn't know better, we could be forgiven for thinking that the, if you were here this morning, the final hymn that we sung, if we didn't know any better, we'd be think, forgiven for thinking that she wrote it. Look at, what, look at the words. What, well, listen to the words even. Wonderful grace that gives what I don't deserve, pays me what Christ has earned, and lets me go free. Wonderful grace that gives me the time to change. Washes away my stains that once covered me. And then it says this. And all that I have, I lay at the feet of Jesus. Sorry, at the feet of the wonderful Savior who loved me. 
She could have written that, couldn't she? That's exactly what she's doing there. And we see that she does this. And then going back to Simon the Pharisee, what does, what does he do? Well, he judges her and he judges Jesus. But in a minute, we're going to see how, how loving the Lord Jesus Christ is as he, he defends this lady. But before we do that, we just have to apply what we've been thinking about to ourselves. And there's a challenging question. It's challenging for me. And the question is this. Who do you look like most? If, you, if, if your life was held up and you've got Simon the Pharisee on one side and the, the, the prostitute on the other, which, which one do you look like most? What does your love for Jesus look like? Does it look like respect? But that is all. You, you, you would invite him to eat at your home, but, but you don't love him. He's not your saviour or your lord. You're not grateful for what he's done for you. Is that you? Or are you like this lady? And she just gives everything to him. She knows what she used to be. And she praises him. She loves him. That's not what she is now. And so she gives everything for him. He is first. Number one. The first and the last. And she lays it all at the feet of Jesus. Now we were singing that hymn this morning. And I lay it at the feet of the wonderful Savior who loves me. I lay all at the feet. All that I have for him sake. Is that true about us? Is it true? Who do I look like most? Well, Luke holds up these two people before us as he introduces the scene. We see this woman, this prostitute, and the way she responds to, the way she treats Jesus. And then Jesus, being God, more than a prophet, the Pharisee didn't even think he was even a prophet, but of course he's God. And so he could read the Pharisee's mind. The Pharisee's thinking to himself, this man were a prophet, he wouldn't let this woman touch him. She is a sinner. And so Jesus, knowing his thoughts, being God, well, he, he turns to Simon. And what Simon does is, sorry, what the Lord Jesus Christ does, does is, he, he defends the woman. Now he's not defending her sin. He's not defending her life of, of prostitution. What he's defending is her devotion to him. And he's rebuking Simon for the way that he's treating this woman. And so our second point is, first we had the Pharisee and the prostitute. Our second point is, those who are forgiven much love much. And that's the point that Jesus Christ makes. Those who are forgiven much love much. So Jesus reads this Pharisee's mind and he turns to him and he says, Simon, I've got something to say to you. Now Simon, I think if Simon knew what was coming, he maybe would have changed the subject. Maybe he would have said, would anybody like any more wine? He would have changed the subject. But he, he doesn't know what's coming. And so he, he, he falls right into the trap. And Jesus says to him, I've got something to say to you. And he says, Master, say on. Teacher, say on. And then in verse 41 and verse 42, Jesus gives him a parable. And the parable is this. It's a parable of a, of a creditor who has lent money to two people. There's a creditor, there's two debtors. One debtor owes 500 denarii, the other 50. A denarii is roughly a, a day's pay. And so one person owns 500, worth, 500 days' pay, if you like, over a year's, a year and a half salary, if you like, and another owes him 50 days' pay. And Jesus in the parable says that when they had nothing to pay him back with, he freely forgave them both. Then he turns to Simon, 
And he says, which one will love him more? Now, before we look at what Simon says, it's important that we understand the parable. What's, what's Jesus getting at here? He's not just telling a nice story. In the parable, it's clear that Jesus is, is teaching something important about God. God is the creditor, if you like. And the point Jesus is making is that, is that we are in debt to God. That's our sin. And he's saying some people have more sin than others. That's true. And some people don't have as much sin as others. But nevertheless, they're, they're both in debt to God. And the Bible says, for all have sinned. Now, you might be here this evening, and you might be thinking to yourself, well, that prostitute needed Jesus. But me, I'm, I'm not a prostitute. Well, Jesus teaches us in this parable, whether you've got a little bit of sin or a lot of sin, you're still a debtor to God. You still need his mercy. You still need his forgiveness. And Jesus says that, that when they couldn't repay, that he forgave them. Now, we must not put push the parable too far and say, well, that's it then. God forgives everybody. That's it. That's not true because we know, don't we, from the whole of Scripture that God does forgive freely all who repent and believe in Christ. All who turn from doing wrong and believe in Jesus Christ as their Savior. And the reason that he can do that is not because he doesn't care about justice, but it's because at the cross of Jesus Christ, his justice was upheld when Jesus paid for what we've done wrong. He paid for our sins. And therefore, he gives us his mercy, extends mercy to us when he forgives us for what we've done wrong, when we believe in Christ. The reason God can freely forgive is because of the finished work that Jesus did when he lived a perfect life, died upon the cross in our place for what we've done, and then rose again the third day. And the point Jesus is saying is, the one who's forgiven much or forgiven not so much, which one will love more? Which one will have the most gratitude? And he asks Simon, he says, which one will love most? Now, Simon is intelligent. He knows the right answer. And he says to Jesus, he says, in verse 43, he says, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And then Jesus says to him, you have rightly judged. You've got it right. And then we see what, what this has to do with what's just happened. What does this parable have to do with what's just taken place? And now what Jesus does is he he, he does really what I've just done a moment ago. But he, he does it more emphatically. He, he compares Simon with, with this woman. And he puts the Pharisee to shame. Andy, a minute uh, earlier, I'll give him credit where credit's due. He said to me, oh yeah, that's the, that's the passage about where the Pharisee is schooled by the prostitute. And that's what's happening here. The Pharisee is being schooled, taught by this prostitute. That's the whole point. And so Jesus says, you've judged rightly. The one who's been forgiven most will love the most. And then what he does is, in, in, in the rest of the passage from verse 44 through to verse 50, he compares the Pharisee with the prostitute. And this is what he says, verse 44. He says, do you see this woman? Now, he probably wouldn't have even wanted to look on her. He wouldn't want to make eye contact with her. She she would have been despised by him. That's the reality. But he says, do you see this woman? Look at her. And he says, I entered your house and you gave me no water. It's what you do for everybody. You didn't give me any water. This woman, this woman, since the time that I came in, has not, uh, has not stopped it. Well, he says, but the, with her tears, she's washed my feet. And wipe them 
with the hair of her head. You didn't give me any water. This woman, whom you've just looked down upon, she has washed my feet with her tears and she's wiped them with the hair of her head. Now, let's just pause for a moment and, and recognize who's saying this. This isn't just a man, a nice guy, a good teacher. This is God Almighty, the second person of the Trinity. He is God who has become a human being. He's taken on flesh. This is the one who is saying, this woman has just done this to me. Simon is saying, if this man was a prophet, he wouldn't even let her touch him. Jesus actually is God in the flesh. And he's saying, what this woman's done is right. And let's bear in mind as well, this woman was a prostitute. And, and yet we, we, we see here, don't we, the love of Christ. The love of Christ. He, he was happy with this woman touching him. Because he loved her. So he, they didn't give him any water. This woman washed his feet with her tears. What else? Well, Jesus goes on and he says, when I came into your house, you didn't give me any kiss. It was customary to, for, to, 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 for a male to greet another male with a kiss on the cheek. We, we shake hands, which I much prefer. But, but that, was, that was quite common then. Well, Jesus is saying, you didn't give me any kiss. But this woman, she, since the time I've come in, she's not ceased to kiss my feet. She's kissing my feet. You didn't even kiss me on the cheek. And then Jesus goes on and he says, you didn't give me any oil for my head. It was, it was common in those days when you've been walking in the heat of the sun, your forehead's dry, the host will give you a bit of oil for your forehead just to, just to moisturize your head, just to anoint it with a bit of oil to refresh you. Jesus said, you didn't give me any of that. My, 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 my head is dry, if you like. But this woman, she's poured out this ointment this costly oil on my feet. Not even on my head, on my feet. And Jesus is saying, you know, which one loves more? And the, ob the obvious point is that the, 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 this woman, this prostitute, puts the Pharisee to shame. And the reason that she loves much, Jesus says this. He says in verse 47, Therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many. He wasn't ignoring her sins. Jesus doesn't do that. He doesn't ignore sin. He, he, it's not as though he's not bothered about it. He cared so much about sin, he went to Calvary and, and bled and died upon the cross to pay for it. He acknowledges her sins are many. He says, but they are forgiven. And then it says, for she loved much. For to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. And Jesus is saying that, that she is forgiven. Yes, she has many sins but she is forgiven, and she loves much. Now, when you read verse 47, at face value, it looks like it's saying that, Je it looks like Jesus is saying that the reason she's forgiven is because she loved much. And if we're not careful, we could think that Jesus there is promoting a, a works righteousness. So the reason he was, she, she was forgiven for what she'd done wrong was because of her love for Jesus. But Jesus is not teaching, you need to do more devotion in order to be forgiven that's not the point and we see that at the end when he says your faith has saved you go in peace what Jesus is saying in verse 47 is he's saying if you like we know her sins are forgiven because she loved much the point is that the the act of devotion is evidence 
of her forgiveness. And that's why I said at the start that, 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 that she's already uh, been forgiven prior to this point. And that's the whole point of the parable. The reason she loves much is because she's been forgiven much. She's not forgiven much because she loves much. It, does, it, it just pulls the whole thing apart. And so we have to make sure we're understanding verse 47 correctly. Jesus is saying, we know she's forgiven because of how she loved. Look at that devotion. But then Jesus goes on and he does publicly forgive her in front of everybody. He says to him, verse 48, your sins are forgiven. Now perhaps Jesus is doing this just to put it to bed. These Pharisees need to stop looking down on this woman. She's mine. Sins are forgiven. Now the Pharisees, in their usual behavior, said, who is this who forgives sins? Once again, doubting who Jesus is. And then in verse 50, Jesus says, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Her faith in the Lord Jesus Christ saved her. And so there the Lord Jesus Christ compares the Pharisee and the prostitute. And he says, the one who's forgiven much loves much. And we look at that story, don't we? And, and, and we can be heart-warmed by it. And I'm sure your heart maybe has been warmed as you've thought about this love that this lady had for Jesus and the love of Jesus for this lady. But we need more, don't we, than just a, a, a warm heart. We need, to, we need to be changed, don't we? And so there's a few questions we need to ask ourselves. Firstly, Jesus said this lady's been forgiven and it was her faith that saved her, her faith in Jesus Christ as Saviour. Can you say that you've been forgiven? Could, if Jesus stood here now, could he point at you and say, this person's sins are forgiven? Could he say to you, go in peace, your faith has saved you? Or would he say, you have no faith? Which one would describe you? The Bible says we're, we're saved by grace through faith. For by grace have you been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. Have you put your faith in Christ? Have you been forgiven for all your sin? Yes, Jesus forgives the worst of people, even you. He will forgive you. But you need to come to him in repentance and faith, like this lady did. And if you have been forgiven, if you are a Christian, and you've put your faith in Christ, he's changed you like he changed this lady. The question that faces us is, is do we love much? Do we love much? You might say, well, how do we know? How do we, well, how did we know this woman loves much? Well, by the things that she did. It's no good saying, I love Jesus much. Well, I don't care too much about obeying the Bible. But I love Jesus with all my heart. But his commandments aren't that important to me. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. How can we know if we have a love for Christ? Well, it will show in our lives, won't it? In the things that we do with our money in the way that we spend our time, in the way that we treat our spouses and our children and our neighbours, the things that we do, the things that we say, how do we know if we love Christ much? Well, it's because of how we live. How, how it, will, it will show. And that's what happened with this lady. Jesus knew that she uh, loved much because of, of what she did. It was clear. Sometimes, this is another challenge, sometimes our love for Christ can grow dim because we forget really how unworthy we are. Particularly if you've been a Christian for a long time. We can forget, can't we, what we used to be. 
or what we would be if Jesus hadn't saved us? Where would you be if Jesus, if Jesus hadn't saved you from your sin? Maybe you'd be an alcoholic, bound by, by drink. Maybe, maybe you'd be in prison. Maybe you'd be dead. Where would you be? Well, when we think like that, we realize Jesus has done so much for me. He saved me. I'm so unworthy. He is worthy of everything. I think we have to keep coming back to that, don't we? Recognizing that without him, we would be nothing. Well, that's what this woman knew. She knew that she was totally unworthy. And for that reason, she loved much. And so what do we learn from this, this account, this historical account of the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, we learn that Jesus loves sinful people. He does. He loves sinners. But not because he likes their sin, but because he knows he can save them and change them and make them like him. He saves sinful people and he, he changes them. Makes them like him. And he does this for his glory. He might be the firstborn among many brethren, it says in the Bible. Jesus is a loving saviour. And just as he's had mercy upon this prostitute, he's had mercy upon many people in this room. He can have mercy on you. You know whether you're a Christian or not this evening. You know whether you've come to Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you haven't done that, then let me just encourage you. Look at Jesus Christ as a loving saviour. He wants to do you good. He will save you and forgive you for all your sin if you come to him. If you turn and believe in him. Perhaps you've done that. Well, a loving saviour deserves our love. That's what, that's what else we see from this passage, isn't it? A loving saviour deserves our love. This lady loved the Lord Jesus Christ and she was willing to sacrifice greatly for him. And the challenge is, are we willing to do the same? Do we love like this lady loved? Well, I'm going to just have a word of prayer and then uh, hand back over to uh, Michael. Father, we, we thank you for our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that he doesn't deal with us as our sins deserve, but when we come in true repentance and in true faith, he makes us clean. He forgives us from all, of all our unrighteousness. He changes us. We thank you that you've never turned anyone away who came in faith and in repentance. We thank you that you never will. We thank you that you uh, saved this prostitute and that, and that you'll save anyone in this room who comes to Christ. We praise you and thank you, Father, for those of us who have already done that. Help us, Lord, to love him. We need your help for this. And we pray that you work this in our hearts by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.